0: You could see coral, and it was white sand, and the clearest aqua water, and it was it was just amazing. It was such an incredible experience. My, my phone actually broke on the little tender on the way out, so I didn't take a picture of it, but I'll be going back there with my drone this time. Don't tell anyone. I'm not sure if they're allowed, but... The, <laughs> the um, three people on the island <laughs> who are going to be upset at you. Welcome to Think, Act, Get with James Schramko and Ezra Firestone. What you think determines how you act, which results in what you get. So join in now as we discuss how you can think differently, act faster, and get high-performance results in your business.
1: Hi there, listener. Welcome back to another episode of Think, Act, Get. Ezra Firestone here with my partner, as always, James Schramko. James, how you doing, man?
0: Doing very well, thanks. It's good to be talking to you again, Ezra.
1: Yeah, it's been a, been a quick minute, as uh, they say in the parlance of our time. <laughs>
0: The, the the parlance. I don't know anyone who says that, but I'll take your word for it.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Man, it has been a tumultuous uh, two weeks for me. I had a few near death experiences in Spain, which I will tell you about. The land beavers are back and they are accompanied by Bunny rabbits that I am now uh, charged with eradicating or removing from our land, so they don't eat Carrie's garden.
0: So you've so they've they've recruited some support, have they? They've gone out. And...
1: They have. It's like where did these rabbits come from all of a sudden now? You know.
0: And it just on the are you are you eating meat at this stage? Oh
1: yeah, I mean the rabbits look delicious actually. I had rabbit in <laughs> Spain actually. I had rabbit when I was there in Spain, and I got back here and I have a a lawn full of like full size rabbits, and I'm thinking to myself, man, if I I have to, you know, ca- I either capture them, release them, or I uh hunt them and eat them because I'm not gonna just, you know, let that meat go to waste. You can't eat a land beaver, right? The land beaver is not tasty and it's weird and creepy looking. The rabbit, the problem with the rabbit is it's much cuter than the land beaver, man. And it's like confronting the idea of getting rid of these rabbits is uh uh, you know, I'm in the same spot I was in the last time we talked about this, but let me tell you about Spain real quick. I, so we rented this car. Okay. We were in Mallorca. I was speaking at a mastermind event and, uh, we decided, Hey, we want to go out and drive around to these small towns, you know, and check out the old ruins and stuff. And we tried to get a car and they're like, Hey, we don't have any cars. And then we said, you know, can you look harder? <laughs> and they said, we found one. And so this is a Saturday and on one hour's notice, they bring us this car and I get into it and I realize it's a stick shift. And James, the last time I drove a stick shift was many a moon ago. (laughs)
0: Very confident.
1: But being the guy that I am, I think to myself, I can do this, you know? And so I, you know, the lurching, trying to get out of first, trying to get out of the parking lot should have been a a sign that perhaps this was too risky. Anyways, we ended up driving an hour to this town, uh, many a like, people just laughing at us cuz we're stuck on the freeway or we can't get out of the gas station or we like it was really bad and it was really scary and so finally we we park we walk around this town called Alcudia Uh, Al Al I believe and then we decide to leave and we're like dreading the ride home because we're terrified that we have to actually drive home and we I couldn't get the thing into reverse so we had to push the car (laughs) to get get it out of the parking spot (laughs) carry out there in the hot sun pushing the car you know and we start driving home and man our phone dies and so we have no navigation (laughs) and it was like it was re- it was the most intense experience I can remember having for the longest duration of time because it was one hour each way. And there were some really, really frightful times of like being stuck on the freeway or being ending up in this tiny little town called Arta where the roads like were not meant for cars, you know, and not knowing how to get out of there. And like it was just insane. And so let that be a lesson that some risks are probably not worth taking. And this episode is about risk. I actually did a video that I'm going to post onto my blog about this experience and what we learned from it. Carrie is in the video as well, so watch out for the Smart Marketer blog for that. But uh, it was really intense, and um, I basically uh, have decided to check my enthusiasm on certain things after that experience.
0: Uh, Well, so how do you feel about driving stick now?
1: Well, the thing is, James, that I can actually drive a stick shift. I maintain to this day that there was something wrong with that car because... I drove a stick shift across the country and I have driven a stick shift. You know, I can drive it. And I was doing the same thing. Carrie is not convinced. She will not get into a stick shift car with me. She is, you know, she thinks actions speak louder than words, but I am still holding that there was something up with that clutch, man, because I feel like I can drive a stick. And, uh, this was just maybe, uh, this was, this was maybe a fluke. I don't know, (laughs) but
0: (laughs) that's, that's, it's good to have solid confidence and rock solid belief in, in oneself, isn't it?
1: I know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm out of my mind, but I really feel like there was something wrong with that thing. Like, why why else could they come up with it on an hour's notice? You know. Um, anyways,
0: I'm I'm going to send you a link to a page that uh, is a humane way to control wild rabbits. I was actually googling um, how to how to hippies. Control wild rabbit populations because maybe you had that when yeah. you were growing up. Well, and uh,
1: I think we discussed this on a previous podcast, James. That, like, um, I was a vegan and a vegetarian for many years, as you know. And I was, I did not really understand that even as a vegan or a vegetarian, you're not escaping the cycle of life and death. I mean, where do you draw the line, right? Because, first of all, the farmers are uh, there's a genocide on bugs. They're spraying all this stuff on the crops to get you your spinach and carrots. So if you think, you know, if you're drawing the line at bugs, they're getting killed off. And then there's all of the rodents, you know, rats, uh, groundhogs, rabbits that are being decimated to keep the carrots safe, you know? So it's like, you don't, you don't escape it either way.
0: And well, in Australia, it's actually a legal obligation to control wild rabbits on a property because they are a a pest. Really? it's, It's not even a, yeah, not even a choice. Really, uh-huh,
1: and so you you go hunt them or something.
0: there's cool stuff you can do, like you can clear their um you know where they live, you can remove the the places that they hide, like trees and logs and and reduce the, the you know the environment to make it less exciting for them and uh so I think that we should put this out to the listeners.
1: If you have experience controlling uh, <laughs> land beavers, as I call them, or rabbits, or you have any thoughts about whether or not it's, you know, how you should handle it—should you kill them and eat them? Should you, you know, trap them and release them? Like, I'm, I'm curious what the, uh, what the community thinks of this conversation.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a very important topic when it's in your backyard it really is like way it's part of your living environment it's a real thing it's right up there with microphones and internet and facebook ads
1: totally totally and it, it also is like affecting the foundation of our house because they're digging all these holes the whole thing man but let's get into today's episode um, so on this episode this is episode 71 and the topic is risk a probability or threat of damage injury liability loss or any other negative occurrence that is caused by external or internal vulnerabilities and that may be avoided through preemptive action. Risk, what is it? How are you using it? And how is it affecting your business and your life? That's what we're looking at in this episode of Think I
0: Get. You know that preemptive action line, thats that part there, it's such an interesting one. I think that's a great deal of what I bring to the table for the people that I work with is eliminating risk. Oh, for sure. You're amazing at risk mitigation. Well, thank you. But I think that it's also hard for people to place a value on that when they When they don't have to go through all the hassle and pain and frustration and injury and liability and loss and negative occurrence that everyone else does, sometimes they still get complacent about that. Um, But you've heard me say this phrase, celebrate lack of drama, that's pointing to the same thing. It's like, hey, Mm. if someone comes along to a coaching call… And their world isn't burning to the ground, and they're not out of control. And they are—they're like, hey, there's not too much to discuss this week. I'm on track. I'm sticking to the plan. Everything's going the way it should. That's when I know the job's well done. That's when I know the preemptive actions have occurred, where there's been redundancy built into their team. They have multiple traffic sources. They have uh, more than one product that they sell, and all these sort of things are in place. So the preempt preemptive action i think is worth highlighting
1: i agree 100% and i think that kind of that's what you're up to as a business owner is shoring up the foundation and looking for potential negative things that could be happening and covering those right and like the game of life is a game of risks by virtue of the fact that you don't know what's going to happen the, any decision that you make carries some form of risk and some risks are greater than than the others but it's always there and we tend to feel comfortable interestingly as people around other people who relate to risk in a similar way that than that we do so people who jump out of airplanes and dive off cliffs and all that stuff take a high level of risk in relationship to their physical bodies and they're comfortable with that and if you're not accustomed to doing something like that then how they move through the world seems crazy if but if you're not one of them but if you are one of them then not doing that seems boring and like you're missing out on a potential good time which brings us to the whole reason that people take risks in the first place because at the other side is some sort of reward and that reward could be an adrenaline rush, monetary gain, a betterment of their life situation in some way, some reason why you're willing to take a risk. And then the reason that people don't take risks I think are equally important. You know, A lot of people, for example, find that they're much less likely to take risks once they have children because there's more riding on it. So people don't take risks because they fear about what they might end up losing. If the risk doesn't turn out, if the potential loss is greater than the potential gain, if it does work out. And so, you know, one of the things in relationship to that you helped me a lot with that I was a little little worried about back in the day that I think is a really interesting conversation for every business owner out there is the thought of buying help. Right. Like hiring is such a huge risk. Like, how do you know when to take that risk? What is it? What is it? What does it mean to take a calculated risk in terms of of taking responsibility for someone's salary? You know, because I run into people a lot and they're like, well, how do I know, you know, if I should hire someone? How much should I pay them? What kind of risk should I take? You know,
0: well, a lot of that anxiety comes from the perception of risk. So it's good to separate. Real risk from the perception of risk. I think that's an important first step. You could conversely say, look, hiring's a big risk, but I actually think that one of the biggest mistakes business owners make is they don't hire and they get stuck doing all the jobs themselves, or the job doesn't get done and they don't grow beyond that, you know, hundred thousand or to three hundred thousand dollar a year salary slash job
1: totally they get stuck in doing it all themselves they never learn to delegate to scale to systematize to process
0: yeah it's 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 well it's really rare that i'll see someone grow from up to seven figures without hiring anyone it's just not a common occurrence unless you've developed a, an app or you are a worldwide specialist at a particular thing and you can get expensive keynotes you're going to have to hire so the the real risk factor there uh, if you if you want to look at what is a risk factor, it's it's like the probability of a, a risk times the possible cost or benefit. It's definitely more worthwhile actually hiring. And you can mitigate the risks by educating yourself properly, by doing proper training. Uh, you could watch some of the training that I've put out, for example. Learn from people who have already done it for decades successfully and get straight to – the best practice—that's what we're talking about uh, when we talk about um, preemptive action. You educate yourself, train yourself, take the right steps, get help with it, and then hiring becomes a, an advantage for you, and it's no longer a risk. It's it's only a risk not to do it. And I like there was there was other um, resources I'd point to. I saw Jeff Bezos talk to his shareholders about decision making and. He said, for the longest time he thought things were worse than they actually were, and then he split it down into two types of decisions there's like one way door decisions and two way door decisions, and the two way door decisions are actually reversible that some of the things we perceive are a big risk are probably not even a huge risk, like some of the
1: right like you fire someone if they don't work out
0: <laughs> yeah and if if you if you realize you made a mistake, probably you can even hire them back. You know, Or if you hire someone and they don't work out, maybe you can unhire them. So it, it could even apply to if you sell something that, that you miss, you could buy something back again. So I think uh, that was super valuable for, for his shareholders and for me is that Maybe we build up too much anxiety around the perception of risk when it's not there in the first place
1: that's really interesting that's a really interesting way to look at it
0: like I'll give you another example there, there was one of the types of risk is is dread, and that's like the death of more than a hundred people and according to uh, wikipedia
1: wait what do you mean what do you mean the death of more than a hundred people
0: death of more than a hundred people is called a dread risk
1: ah got it.
0: And it, people are scared of that one because when we were in small groups of 100 people back in the old days, uh, a, a dread risk could wipe out your whole village. So it was like a pure survival thing. Mm. So after 9-11, people had a dread risk feeling about flying, so they drive, but they will mitigate their feelings towards small risks um, that they're familiar with, like car travel. But did you know that according to the, the research – on Wikipedia, so it must be accurate, right? <laughs> um, there was a lot more car accidents following 9/11 because people were driving instead of flying. Whereas the, the risk of flying was probably in reality quite low after they put in steps to, to fix the problem that happened in that incident. So they some people place a lot more weight on certain types of risks, but they're not necessarily logical. They can be irrational, and they could be hardwired back to the you know to our Neanderthal brain.
1: Hmm. So interesting. I was thinking about relationships in terms of risk. Like, you, you let's say, you know, you got some sort of status quo. You're good. You're on your own. You got your routine figured out and you're getting through it. And then you meet this person and you're attracted to them. You fall in love with them. And the act of getting to know them and developing a relationship with them is a risk because – at first what seems great might not turn out to be great like what happens if they snore really loud or like what happens if like you have extremely different viewpoints on how to raise children or where to live and adding a you know adding a different person to consider at such a deep level adds a huge amount of unknown and the unknown is where the risk lives right like the reward is the joy and the feeling of connection with someone on such a profound level feeling seen and being able to co-create something that's beautiful that you, that you couldn't do on your own and and the unknown is also where all that potential for risk lives like things uh, things that are even better than you could have planned for show up in that unknown space when you take risk. And so one of the things I wanted to talk about was the risk of business partnership and whether or not you were against it because I remember you gave me a good piece of advice one time where I was going to do this joint venture and – you said, why would you do that joint venture? Like, it makes no sense. The the, the risk is you lose half the business. What's the upside? What's the reward that I ended up going against your advice, doing the joint venture, having it turn out terribly, and then going through a tumultuous process of undoing the joint venture? And now I'm not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like sometimes, sometimes you just got to know, right? (laughs) Like, I do some... Types of joint ventures. For example, this podcast is, in essence, uh, some kind of a strategic alliance where you and I come together, create something that's better than the individual. Like this show's more entertaining than the ones I do by myself, um, and you know, and also because it's so rare, it's more valuable, right?
1: <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna hopefully get a little more uh, time
0: to get regular around here. Yeah, we might get we'll do more than a few episodes a year this year, and. You know, this is a joint venture, uh, but what happens is, you see, if you have people who have different uh, risk profiles or are bringing different things to the deal, someone might um, have a very high tolerance for risk. They might not really be bringing that much to the table, so their potential upside is very high and their potential downside is very low, so they have a lot to gain from the deal. And you'll find that as a successful entrepreneur, I'm willing to bet you get people approach you all the time saying, "Oh, Ezra, you know, have half my e-commerce store if you could just do some of your magic, and we can both profit in the upside, right?"
1: Totally. I mean, we get deal deal requests. I mean, multiple times a day.
0: Yeah, I get that stuff all the time yeah. as well, and it's it's great to that we've been put in this position where people value what what we can share, uh, but but they don't have much downside risk. We do because we have opportunity costs. We have other things we could focus on. So I also do uh, revenue share deals these days, which is where I'll take a percentage of the upside when I can improve someone's business, providing they qualify and the, the qualifications to partner in those kind of deals are pretty strong. I generally will be working with someone first to really get to know them it 's a long term deal, and I have to believe in the product and i have to I have to see that the product has an enormous future so i 'm taking into account um, you know what is the probability of it failing versus going well, or even you know not not progressing past where it 's at if it was to plateau and i couldn 't shift it, then i'd be wasting that you know effective hour that I could spend on something else that has a yield so with partnerships, I think there's a lot of things to consider. Um, it's definitely better to start friendships in business and uh, you know, start business relationships and then become friends. So the, the gotchas or the warnings that I would look out for, if you start as friends and then you want to go into business, that's, that's usually a red flag in my, my mind because, you know, like going into business with your brother or your sister or your mum or your dad or um, your mate from school, that will generally not be as effective as if you meet people in the world of business and then become friends, like we did, Ezra. We met in business first and then became friends. Do you remember? Totally, totally, yeah. So that's that's a better foundation for a start. The other thing is see if you can match what people bring to the table. When we started out, probably I had a little more – power in the tank than you did with our f- when we started podcasting because I was already podcasting and I I had a, had an audience and right and in that time
1: oh no question I didn't have a platform at all frankly I had a
0: very small one <laughs> you've become some you know almighty powerhouse of deca millions per year in e-commerce so you, you've become extremely powerful in in both your traditional field and also the marketing field so it's kind of flip-flopped a little bit, but if you were to average it out, there's been a pretty equal contribution from both of us, and it's it's still symbiotic, so it works, which means it sustains. That's really the ultimate test is, is it sustainable? And anything that's out of balance too much, if one person's doing all the work or taking all the risk and the other person's becoming the prime beneficiary of that, it, it can become lopsided. And someone's getting hustled, basically. And, you know, some people will put up with it for a certain amount of time, but at a certain point, it'll stop. And then there's the other scenario where, look, the chances of two people moving through life with, with similarities forever is is kind of rare. It can happen, and it does happen. Um, maybe happens about half the time, right? And, and the stats on things like relationships uh, would probably bear that out. That, that it can happen about half the time, which means the other half of the time it probably doesn't happen. So, so do a lot of due diligence in the beginning. Look into the probabilities of things going well or down.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I see all the time is the excitement of the potential of the new venture and then the sort of ignoring of the Hey, what are we each bringing to the table? What kind of partnership should we structure? Like, sort of the excitement of the potential deal uh, erases
0: the. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what that is. It's the built-in. Um, it's a secret. It's a secret hope and desire <sighs> that the other person will do all the work, and you will become the beneficiary of this lottery win. That is what's happening. And the other one is Mm. it's so lonely being an entrepreneur and it's so tough and I've got to make all these decisions. I'd rather just have someone else buddy up with me to make it all more comfortable. So you're paying the price for that comfort.
1: Totally. And then when you look back at this partnership that we were talking about that you advised against, I mean, when I really analyzed it, what I realized was that, I wasn't doing that partnership based on a value contribution uh, in my head. Of course, this was not conscious. I didn't realize it at the time. I was doing it because I wanted the company in the creation of that particular business model. I wanted someone to relate with about it on a daily basis. I wanted like someone in it with me and I gave up. And then basically when it worked, I was like, wow, I'm getting, I set up a deal that is really not in my best interest because (laughs) I wanted company. I mean, that was what it came down to really.
0: Yeah. That and that's 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 what I'm saying. The main, the prime, the prime drivers for partnerships, especially when it's friends wanting to go into business, is, I'd love your company, and I hope you sort of know how this works because I'm a bit scared and not quite sure. So I've done it. I've done it before. I've seen so many people do it. So I'm not like anti-partnerships. I'm, I'm in the life partnership. Uh, I'm in business partnerships. I'm in joint ventures, but I'm pretty selective and it has to be sustainable. It's got to be a fair value contribution. If it gets it lopsided, I, I don't. it doesn't survive. It won't last. So I won't even let myself get into a partnership where I don't think I can be an equal contributor. And people like you and I, sometimes we tend to over contribute because we we're used to carrying responsibility, and if people take advantage of that, it can it can work out where you start to build resentment. And I would I would also give this extra tip when it comes to risk assessment: pull out a spreadsheet and write down all of all of the factors involved. Uh, things like what does this business look like at scale? You know, when when the business is, it's easy to start a partnership when there's nothing. Right, you know, let's have fifty percent of nothing. Great, easy. When the business is doing a million dollars a year and your costs are five hundred thousand, and you then have to split your other your, with your partner fifty fifty, your million dollars in revenues shrinks to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars each. Then that's like, gosh, I could be making five hundred. So, if you want company hire people or hang out with other entrepreneurs your peer group what i did do uh, with my research on this topic is i found out that your risk taking is influenced by your immediate social environment thought that was interesting and the other thing that was interesting is the studies into um, the your you're basically, your um, your belief of your competency, if you believe you're highly competent, then you see more opportunities than other people and you're more willing to take risks than other people. And that's why, as entrepreneurs, we tend to take a lot more risks than the man on the street or the woman on the street because we can see opportunity in everything, which means we're far more likely to take a risk because we've built up our competencies, especially around the topics that we're strong with, in your case, your e-commerce stuff, and your uh, marketing stuff is world-class. So you will see opportunities where other people see fear and and anxiety. And they're just thinking, oh, rate of ruin. You know, if I go into this, I'm going to lose everything quickly.
1: Yeah. And I think that entrepreneurs are a little more willing to lose. Like when I look back at all the crazy risks I've taken, right? Moving to New York when I was 18 with nothing but a, you know, with nothing but a skill set of how to play poker, and, you know, knowing how to relate with people. Like, I'm sure you look back, you've taken a lot of risks. Like, you took the risk of quitting your job at Mercedes. So, or, uh, yeah, it was Mercedes, right?
0: Yeah, it was Mercedes Benz, but it, it was a calculated risk. So, my, I did the probability, you know, the the possible upsides and downsides of doing that. And and my my first thing was I, I reduced the risk by having a a trigger, and the trigger was, I must be making at least. Equivalent to my salary with my online business before I leave my full time job. So for me, that was circa three hundred thousand dollars a year. I that was my trigger point. Yeah. So I'm dead against the advice. You know, quit your job and build the plan as you jump off the cliff. (laughs) Like that's you don't do that when you've got four kids, uh, a mortgage, and an investment property, and and uh, responsibilities. You don't do that. So I set a trigger point, and. Then my calculation was, well, hang on, if I take this 70 hours a week that I work in my job and put that into my business, I believe I can increase my online business income. And I was right. I basically just cut out that whole eight or nine hours a day of heading off to someone else's joint to build their business and redirected that time and energy into my business. And it didn't take long till I hit seven figures. So my, my risk was rewarded by those sort of calculations but there there were still some little you know there were still some little uh, moments that that gave me some tingles like the very first christmas after i quit my job we ran out of cash just at christmas time i could i couldn't even couldn't even go and withdraw cash to go and buy food like it was just a timing problem because i actually sent an affiliate company broke i drove so much traffic to them that they couldn't fulfill on their product. And I know you know what that's like <laughs> when you, right? As an e-commerce owner, you're going to get caught out occasionally. And they get all these refunds and then they burnt me for my commission. I lost about eight or $9,000 in commission. And mm. so I basically had spent the ads and didn't get repaid. And I just had a cash timing situation. But I took that experience and it made me stronger because that's when I really – made a vow to avoid financial vulnerabilities, So for that reason, I keep a very big cash balance on hand.
1: Yeah. And I tell people if they're going to quit their job, one year of living expenses liquid in a bank account minimum is...
0: Plus, if you can't make triple whatever you're getting paid in a job, it's not a good idea. You should, To be an entrepreneur, to take all the risks, to be responsible for your own taxes, to educate yourself and continue the innovation, unless you're making three times what you would make in a job, it's not going to be worthwhile. Um, So I took that experience and I preemptively avoided future risk by diversifying my business models over the, the, the next few years. And I ended up with like 12 different income streams. I went a little bit too far. And then I found the ones that were awesome developed them stronger, sold off some, closed down some or merged them, and I've ended up with uh, three well there's kind of there's four now, but one of them's relatively two of them are relatively passive and two of them are fairly active. And and that has set me up now with a very strong pipeline of of income protected from different markets. I'm in different currencies and I'm in slightly different business models. So it's all worked out really well. And I've taken, you know, those those risky moments, and I haven't just copped that moment and let it defeat me. I've taken that moment and let it strengthen my resolve and and harden the layers against that risk happening again.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of risk. I think risk is relative to your com- comfort level. I think one man's risk is another man's tame. You know, one man's risky is another man's tame. So it's kind of all about perspective. And I really like the Shramko approach of calculated risk of really knowing the risk that you're taking sometimes you just jump you know but i i don't think it's smart to take risks that will cripple you if you fail you know Uh, although i have taken some of those
0: well you know something that you know like a disclaimer here you are a special person ezra the things that make you strong are unique compared to most people so it's worth pointing that out
1: for sure and i've taken many a big major risk you know
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, but you have, um, you've got very fast reactions, you have access to high-level resources, you have a lot of experience in the choppy, changing markets, and... And you are extremely innovative and creative, so you know you you can put. I could land you into a brand new business, and you'd sort a lot of stuff out very quickly, where other people just drown. It's a fair point. You kind of got it. So it's it's if you want a metaphor, it's like in business, you're a strong swimmer, right? It'd be like chucking you in a new pool; you, you'll get to the edge fine. If, if someone in business is not very good at business, it'd be like them not being a good swimmer and putting them into a pool and yeah. they might drown. So this is a lot, lot linked to your competency. I think it's – as a rule of thumb, the more competent you are with something, then the more likely it is you'll see opportunities and it's probable that you're going to take more risks.
1: And there you have it. Let's roll, Carol. Weekly Willpower Wager. Thank you, Carol.
0: Thank you, Carol.
1: <laughs> So what we want to know is one big risk that you could take this week that wouldn't cripple you if it didn't work out. And are you willing to take it? We'd like, we'd like you to, and we'd like you to let us know how it goes in the comments. And, uh, we got some news and updates for you. James is, um, doing a surfing mastermind on a boat with amazing food in the Maldives. And one of these years I got to make it, I don't think I'm going to make it this year, but, uh, what are those dates?
0: 10th to the 17th of September and the 17th to the yeah. 24th. And here's the interesting thing. A couple of people have booked for both weeks, which is awesome. Can, can you imagine two weeks in the Maldives uh, where you're – or Maldives, sorry, whoever, whoever's whoever got whatever interpretation of that. Uh, it, it, I'm really looking forward to it, that's for sure. And I want to just highlight this. You do not have to be a surfer to go on this. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a surfing business – mastermind let's call it a business mastermind it's on a boat which means you don't you don't get sucked into you know the the immediate surrounds of where you are you're like you're very concentrated you've got a nice lounge you've got sun decks. you've got there's four levels so you can split away from people you've got privacy lots of privacy but you also have focus and uh, keith cranks came on the last one and it was amazing what he was sharing with facebook etc and
1: and you've got internet on there?
0: There is internet there most of the time, unless there's a storm and and we go into the lagoon. It's a bit patchy there.
1: How how far out on this boat are you? By the way.
0: Well, you you're always just you're in the atoll, so it's it's protected. It's not like you're out in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> you you're pretty much most of the time you're moored inside the atoll and. If you do happen to surf or scuba dive or or you want to swim.
1: Can you see the land from where you are?
0: At all times. You'll never not see the land. You're just moored next to it.
1: Could you swim to the land if you had to?
0: You could, but you'd make sure the tide's not going in or out quickly because the tide will move faster than you can swim and you're probably going to drown. So uh, what you can do, though, is the tender can run you to the beach. I went to this beach. It had the the whitest sand I've ever seen. Wow. There was like three people living on this uh, whole island. Wow and i gave them a little donation as a as a thank you for visiting their island and and i walked onto the other side of the island there was not a single person there and there was little fish in the water and, and you could see coral and it was white sand and the clearest aqua water and it was it was just amazing it was such an incredible experience my my phone actually broke on the little tender on the way out so i didn't take a picture of it but i'll be going back there with my drone this this time don't tell anyone i'm not sure if they're allowed but the, <laughs> the um, three people can, on the island who are going to be <laughs> upset at you, yeah, you can check out uh, the the some there is some drone footage actually at superfastbusiness dot com forward slash maldives i 'm actually uh at the, about the same time this episode comes out we 're going to the public with it, so if you want in by the way i I truly believe most. Gurus uh, would charge twenty thousand dollars for a trip like this, and and they certainly charge you know like sixty five grand or forty five grand to go and visit Branson's Island uh, for a few days. So this is all meals included, twin share on an, uh, it's over a hundred foot long. This boat. You also learn how to breathe properly, and for most people that will be the first time in their life they learn how to breathe properly, and you. You'll have like warm water and you'll you'll be able to swim with um manta ray and it's it's really an incredible experience the the, the meals are in, really f- they're French people who run the boat and it's just healthy stuff so it's wow. a transformational experience and yes, if you happen to surf it's got world class waves and and certainly a draw card for me
1: sorry which of the days are open I mean not to make this too pitchy, we can get rid of we can stop talking about it but which which weeks are open are there
0: there's there's currently spots on both weeks, but uh, not many on the first week, and uh, it's almost closed. So yeah, I, I cool. think by the time we get to the event, it's um it's going to be full for sure, and and that's cool, and probably we'll do it the year after. I've been the last two years, um, cont- you know, but I I do think it would be as good or a better investment than going to any number of workshops that are on where, you, you know, where there's hundreds of people and sort of meh content. But I, I'm going to sit down with each person on this boat, go through their business one-to-one and also in facilitated group discussions. So I'm actually putting out a video with, with a worksheet of explaining what sort of things we do. Mm. But that aside, that's where I'm focusing with events. I'm more interested in these sort of small events. And by the way, huge credit to this show because remember our Hawaii event? yes yes. many moons ago that event changed my life really i actually of all the people who went to the event i'm sure i got the most value from that event
1: (laughs) can you uh explain that because that was like we only we didn't have that many people you know
0: there's only a few people there but but at that event i stayed with you up in the hippie commune i after the event you grabbed a foamy and chucked it in the back of the wagon and we went down to chun's reef and you you paddled out and oh that's
1: right it was the surf trip
0: and uh, it's the first time that i surfed as an adult and i tried it when i got home through a mutual contact you introduced me to mark yes Let yes. me a surfboard and and here i am now like three and a half years later i surf every day day. fit fitter, stronger healthier and happier and i've travel around the world now to to surfing locations like fiji and hawaii and and new zealand and amazing and uh all sorts of places up the coast of New South Wales. It's it's just – it's only a surfer can know. But anyway, I, I, I'm a huge believer that an event like that can dislodge stuff, this crap that's stuck in you from way back and just start you fresh. So if you're feeling like a reboot, yeah.
1: I mean it makes sense because you're yeah. really going deep. You're really taking the time to let go of your daily life and, and just immerse yourself in a, a new conversation for a week, you know, not your daily habits, not your – you're taking out the trash and doing the laundry and going to the grocery store and picking up the kids. Like you just, not that all that stuff isn't wonderful. Obviously daily life is wonderful, but like taking some space to really dive deep, especially with other very successful business owners is always a powerful experience. Uh, I think it's why we both have masterminds. You know, we both love these events. Uh, If you are, interested in a bigger more conference room style event. I do have one of those <laughs> coming up, E-commerce All-Stars.
0: Cool. I mean yours is an exception. Yeah, it's,
1: no, mine's great.
0: I went to your event in San Diego. It was unbelievable. It was st- the the quality of people in that yeah. room were phenomenal. The quality of the information that you shared at that event was world-class. Yeah. It's it's different. And I actually made some fantastic connections at that event. It's, I've got some of my very best customers. Uh, who reignited with me when I went to visit them in San Diego. There's a big tip there. You you want to build a, a market or a network, go to these events. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: you have to go to events. I mean, it just makes a, a world of a difference. I say you got to get out to at least a couple of them a year. And our event's a good one. Smart Market E-commerce All-Stars, you can check it out on our website. It's in Austin, Texas on August 4th and 5th. Our application company, the last time we talked, uh, on our think Act, get episode, we were waiting to launch our flagship app. It was going to come out like a week after that last episode in February. Well, it came out. We launched it in February and we are at 1000 members with that application, just that one application. So
0: Wow, congratulations.
1: We're now at 2000 members with our software as a service program, which is really exciting and uh if you're interested in building landing pages and sales funnels for your Shopify store and you're an e-commerce business owner, uh, my viewpoint is that this is like by far the best thing in the world for that. You should check it out, zipify.com. That's all I got from a news perspective.
0: Well, let's just see if we got any comments on our uh, previous episodes.
1: Yeah, we got Dean Allen here. You can uh, go ahead and read that one out.
0: (laughs) What's the episode that this comment comes from, out of curiosity?
1: Uh, It comes from the last episode we did, which, Reverence.
0: Reverence. Yes. Yeah, gotcha. Cool. (laughs) You threw me there. Uh, Okay, so thank you for this episode, Ezra and James. Prior to this episode, I always looked on reverence as a passive action, where you looked up to someone. thought of them as being higher than you which gave them power over you. But after this discussion on see revering someone as you making a conscious decision that allows someone to receive your reverence. In other words, you've given them permission to impact on your life in some positive way and this is a great display of power on the part of the person who's revering the other and not the other way around. Thank you once again. A great discussion. Thank you, Dean.
1: Dean was into that one,
0: dude. Yeah, Dean's a good guy. Yeah, he is. He is amazing. Should we do some quotes?
1: Yeah, are you, are you keeping your quote
0: this week? My quote, uh, only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. T.S. Eliot. Well, I think that's that's uh, kind of like a, you know, you, you don't know where the edge is until you push past it type quote. I think that's quite good. I uh, There's another quote I'd, I like that's um, something along the lines of the real risk is to do nothing because uh, that sort of ties in with, with one of... Uh, well, my mentor used to drum into me a couple of phrases, but one of them was um, you've got nothing to fear but fear itself. And that's kind of fear and risk are very, very correlated. related And um, as I said earlier in the show, I really think a greater risk than, than doing the wrong thing is usually just sitting on your hands and doing nothing. Like you don't want to tiptoe through life to get to death safely. And I see people do that. That's why I went skydiving. That's why I, I paddle out into waves that a head high sometimes a bit higher, uh, because uh, it's it's that um, calculated risk of having a go. that's an Australian expression, have a go. You're having a go. you're participating, you're living. Live your life. A- and uh, so yeah, I-, I think the quote's fine. What's your quote?
1: Well, uh, I think I took the good one for myself. then. The biggest risk is not taking any risk <laughs> in a world that's changing really quickly. The only strategy that's guaranteed to fail is not taking risks. by Mark. Zuckerberg.
0: Wow, nailed it. Well, there you go. We've we've um we've stepped over each other there. Sorry about that.
1: That's all right. We came back (laughs) around. So, listen. Um, we are. We think risk is inherent in business, and you're going to take it, and so you might as well be deliberate about it. And um, it's uh again, what it is, it's the probability or threat of damage, injury, liability, loss, and or any other negative occurrence that is caused by external or internal. Vulnerabilities, and that may be avoided through preemptive action. Risk: What is it? How are you using it? And how is it affecting your business in your life? That's what we've been looking at in this episode of Think Act
0: Get. Thanks, Ezra. It's been awesome.
1: Thanks, man. Always enjoyable. And uh, catch up to you on the next one.
0: See ya. This has been another episode of Think Act Get with James Shrenko and Ezra Firestone. For more tips and tutorials on how to grow your business faster visit thinkactget.com and join the newsletter. It's free.